Well, this morning uh, we saw how crucial and also how central this matter of the priesthood is in God's eternal purpose. And now tonight we want to uh, go further to see exactly what is a priest uh, and what does a priest do. Uh, This priesthood is so important. It's such an eternal matter, right? We saw that even before uh, God created man, that the thought of the priesthood was already in God. So it is not an afterthought. It is not after uh, man has some failures, uh, needing some help, that God uh, uh, set up the priesthood to uh, address uh, man's problems. God, even before man's creation, God had the thought that the desire to gain a priesthood. Amen. Although he failed in that in in uh, uh, Satan before his uh, rebellion, that uh, uh, you know he was he was supposed to be he was a priest he was a king, but due to his pride and his ambition, he failed God. He rebelled against God. But God did not give up that thought, that desire. He must have the priesthood. He must have the kingship. So he came in to recreate man and in his image, with his likeness, giving man the dominion and created man with a spirit, enabling him to contact God, to receive God, to contain God, and to receive God who is life to him. So that man can live God as life. This is the real priest. And tonight we do need to uh, spend a little time to, uh, uh, to see more deeply and to see more um, uh, thoroughly uh, what, is, uh, what is this, uh, thank you, what is uh, the priest? And a lot of these, I would say that uh, is not is nothing is not new. Uh, you know, you you have heard uh, many of these points. But believe me, brothers and sisters, don't think that these are just trite words. Uh, you know, some repetition. Uh, if we are going to be a priest, we need to uh, pay attention to you know what is to be a real priest. Simply, a a priest is one who is filled with God, saturated with God, permeated with God. You know, I I mentioned a little bit this morning, we have have so many concepts about what a priest is. I mean, once you hear, oh, he is a priest, right away is that you are connecting to someone religious, a religious uh, uh, order, uh, someone who is uh, uh, maybe in his profession, he is a professional uh, servant of God. You know, um, it is all together today. You know, under this uh, uh, environment uh, of the of religion that we are in, this is you know, it's full of it. And I know you some you know some may may like it, some may a lot may not like it. I don't like to hear. 
people call me a priest in that sense. You know, I'm a professional. Uh, you know, uh, it's it just like I, I'm an engineer or I'm a lawyer. Now I'm a, pri- I'm a priest. I'm, my profession is to handle the things of God. Um, so there is this uh, uh, connotation as soon as we uh, hear the word priest. And, uh, uh, but that's not what was on God's heart. And so to, to be able to uh, um, uh, enter into uh, the, the proper exercise of this priesthood, we need to see clearly what is to be a priest. Um, <clears throat> so tonight this message concerns the definition of a priest and the two orders of the priesthood. As we read from First uh, uh, Peter 2, uh, that this such a priest... Uh, is revealed uh, in two orders. Uh, one order is according to Aaron. Uh, we call this the Aaronic priesthood. Um, and the second order is the order according to Melchizedek, uh, as we mentioned, revealed in Genesis 14. And we need to see uh, what are these two orders and how are they even related to each other. The, the holy priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, is called a holy priesthood, and the, the, the order according to Melchizedek is called a royal priesthood or a kingly priesthood. Melchizedek was a king, right? he was a king of Salem. So, in his coming to uh, minister bread and wine to uh, Abraham, he was there as a king, he was a kingly priest. So it's a very, very meaningful uh, to see these two orders of the priesthood. Now, the first point of the outline says, a priest is a person who lives solely for God's interest and serves him. We read tonight Exodus 19, verse 6. I really love those few words. You, you are to me, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Jehovah says, you shall be to me. You are a priest, not just to do a uh, professional religious work, to do all, handle all the religious uh, ceremonies. You are to me. I brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. I rescued you from the tyranny of Pharaoh. Now, You have been separated, called out. You are to me. You belong to me. You are here to serve me, not just to do the things for me. You are here to serve me. You are to me a kingdom of priests. This first matter is, you may think, is uh, seems to be quite, quite basic and simple, but it's not. Today you have many so-called priests dressed in their garb, you know, and uh, acting acting in a very funny way, you know, because they are carrying out their profession as a priest. They have to act in a certain way. They have the intonation of the way they speak. They have to make sure they impress people they are priests. They are just carrying a job, carrying a duty to do the so-called holy things. Jehovah here says, you are to me a kingdom of 
priests. He is not talking about a, a, uh, uh, some kind of some professionals doing some kind of duty, taking to help God out, to work for God. This is the, the general concept of a priest in people. These are the people who work for God. They serve God. God does not need you to work for him. He had millions of angels who help him out. You think he is, uh, God is a hiring priest today? You know, he, is, uh, he is short of help. He needs some more help too. No. Priests are not, God wants us to, God wants us to, wants the priesthood, not because he's lacking help. He needs you to help him out, to serve him, to do many things for him. God needs a priesthood who is to himself, who is one with himself, who can be filled with himself. To me, this is a very, very precious point. You know, in Romans uh, 14, verses 7 and 8 says that, <clears throat> that no one should live to himself or die to himself. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Amen. You know, this is, as a Christian, we, we don't just, uh, you know, live a life for God, to do many things for him. There's a big difference between living to someone uh, and living for someone. To live for someone, you can be doing many good things. You know, you live for your wife. You know, you make sure you buy her some good things to please her, make her happy. But, you know, she may not be necessarily looking for the things you have for her. She just wants you to be spending more time with her. If you live to her, then you will be concerned for her as a person, rather than what you think that she wants, she needs, and then to do something for her. The same way as a priest in their service to God, they are not just to serve, some, to do something for God, but they are there to live to Him, die to Him. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Him. Similarly, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15, the same thing, talking about the love of Christ constraining us, that we should no longer live to ourselves, but live to the one who died for us and rose again. God must gain uh, a group of people who are the priesthood today. Their sole interest is not to carry out some religious order of things, to do all the to help people out, solve their problems, you know, uh, uh, before God. They are to minister to the Lord and uh, to live unto the Lord. <clears throat> In uh, um, uh, coming to this point, I was <clears throat> reminded of this uh, little passage by Brother, by brother Watchman Nee concerning ministering to the house or to God. You know, there is this little message. If you have not read it, I highly encourage you to read that. This is in uh, the Collected Works of Watchman Nee in uh, uh, Volume 11, uh, Issue 35. The title of the message is Ministering to the Lord or to... Uh, ministering to the house or to God. So in that little message that uh, Brother Nee pointed out that... Uh, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there were these uh, priests 
uh, you know, in the tribe of Levi. They were doing all kinds of things. They were, they were killing the animals. They were, you know, uh, uh, setting up the tent. All these things. They were doing. They were doing the things for God. But then, if you read, um, if you read uh, uh, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter forty-four. Uh, verse, verse, verse 11, it says, uh, <clears throat> Yet they shall minister in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house, and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. This is what the, the ordinary priests uh, uh, did. Then in verse 15 and 16, it says, but, but the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to present to me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord Jehovah. It is they who will enter my sanctuary. It is they who will come near to my table to minister to me, and they will keep my charge. In that message, Brother Brother Nee pointed out very strongly that there is a big difference between someone serving the house, taking care of all the necessary things, you know, in the around the house, slaughtering the animals, offering the sacrifices, cleaning, you know, doing this, doing that. But there is, a, there is another group of priests, the sons of Zadok, that God says, these are the ones who ministered to me. They were not just merely doing things, just doing, being busy about taking care of all the necessary things. They ministered to me. There's a big difference. It doesn't mean that the, these ones who minister to me, to the Lord, does not do anything else, does not, do, does not take care of all the practical things. No, it doesn't mean that. It's just that these ones, even as they are handling so many things, their heart is, they are ministering to the Lord, to satisfy the Lord. So often, you know, you know in the church life even, when we... Uh, we may be serving in ushering, serving in uh, cleaning, or serving whatever. You know, you come to, oh, uh, when the time comes, you know, oh, I have to go to the meeting. I, I'm on roster, and I have, to, I have to go and serve. I have to take care of the children, and I have to I make sure I get my lessons straight, and all these, uh, you know, you, 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 you are very careful, concerned with all the things you're supposed to do. But maybe not even for a minute, you will sit down and pray, Lord, I'm going to serve the children today. How do you want me to serve them? You just went to attend your roster, to attend to your roster on time, faithfully, teaching the lessons. You become professional. You've been serving there for 10 years. You close your eyes, you can teach the children the lesson. You know exactly what to say, what to do. You carry out the work. But you have not been ministering to the Lord at all. Not only the saints who are serving in the church, even full-timers. You know, we are, many of us here are serving the Lord full-time. There are many things that are busy. Oh, what, the moment you get up, oh, 
how many appointments I'm going to meet today. I'm going to see this one. I'm going to see that one. I'm going, I'm going to read this portion with this one, read that portion with that one. Oh, my whole day is, is packed, is filled with appointments. It seemingly is a, you know, is a good priest doing his job faithfully. But maybe he is only ministering to the house, taking care of all the necessary things, but yet not even for a moment to sit down, Lord, do you want me to meet with this one? What do you want me to say to this one? Um, our serving as a priest, we serve the Lord. We must, ministering, we must minister to Him. This is the first definition, you may say, of a priest. He is one who is solely, he lives solely for God's interest. He is not here for, to, to carry out his profession as a priest, you know, to carry out his, his uh, uh, fulfill his job description, uh, you know, all the, all the things you, uh, you learn supposed to do you know uh, sorry brothers uh, you know in, in your office I was there earlier I saw you you have a, a book there for surf, for full timers you know uh, of course those are the you know I don't know what I have I, I didn't get a chance to read through it but but you know those are must be very helpful you know uh, outlines and messages which are helpful but on the other hand I would say in my in my in my even in my time of serving the Lord in these uh, uh, thirty some years, I have never been given a manual how to serve full time. <laughs> I've never been given. I know, brother Lee never gave me any manual. You know, now you are full timer. Okay, you, okay. This are uh, this. These are the things you should do. I didn't. I had no idea when I started serving full time. All I do is I'm, I'm serving full time. Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, uh, at that time, of course, outwardly we, we had a lot of safe people through door knocking. Of course, that's a that's the immediate thing to do. I had to go to to visit them. You know, home meetings, and then you know, I get myself busy. But never, brotherly, never told me. You know what what I should do. What are step one, step two, step three, step four? You know, with every job that you 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 got, right? Your boss would tell you, give you the, your your job description. You know what you, and then you, some of you may have to go through, you know, uh, uh, you know, special training to get you ready to for your job. When many of us we step into serving full time, we, we have no idea. We just scratch our head, and uh, uh, at times I, I also felt felt a little, um, uh, you know, because they are also younger full timers who got who started serving and wonder what what should they do. They come to ask me. And uh, uh, but <clears throat> so among us, we really don't have any manual. I'm, I'm don't. I'm not belittling whatever you have there, you know, because I believe I do. I do agree with the many of the young serving ones. You need to be more perfected. There are many areas. There are many. There are many. Uh, there's much of the ministry help that we need to get into to get to get enlightened, to get uh, 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 perfected in. But, but at the end of the day, it's not 
some kind of manual, some kind of instruction to to just tell you you do you 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 uh, you know just like you you know you, you whatever job you do you uh, office manager you go there you you go through your 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 daily uh, you know checklist you know no the first thing the priest the unique thing that you do is minister to the Lord Amen. you learn to go to the Lord yes. you learn to go to the Lord. All the instructions come from him. Amen. This, is, this may seem a very trivial, very simple thing, but it is so crucial. It's missed by so many so-called uh, uh, serving ones. You know, so many pastors, so many, they are so good in doing their duties. They become professionals. But yet, how many are like the sons of Zadok? That Jehovah can say, these ones, they minister to me. Not just to, the, not just to the house, which consists of so many necessary things. He says, priests are the most normal and proper persons. <laughs> How about that? The priests, they are not some special class. They are not some peculiar people, you know. Uh, today, you know, in the in in uh, uh, in, in Catholic system, and uh, if someone sees all these priests, you know, walking around in their garb, you know, and uh, they as they even as I mentioned, sometimes you know, even as they conduct their 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 ceremonies, they have to act in a certain way. Even their intonation of their words. They have to impress people. They are there doing their duty as a priest. Uh, sorry to say, I was not impressed. In fact, I felt weird. You know, these people are just just not normal. But the priests are the most normal, Amen. most proper persons. We are not here acting. We're not here performing. We are just normal, proper persons coming to the Lord to allow Him to fill us. And those who realize that God's plan is to work Himself into a group of people in order that He might be their life and that they might become His expression. How many times have you heard words like this? Hundreds of times, maybe. But what does it mean to you? Does it mean anything to you? What kind of the realization? What has that realization? What has that realization brought you? You realize that God has a, God has an economy, and this economy is just the plan, God's plan to work out his will, which is for God to be dispensed into man, to be man's life, to be man's everything. Amen. Then <clears throat> this is, seems to be such a simple, basic thing that, but, this realization, brothers and sisters, needs to go deeper and deeper. It has to be internalized into our being. That every day, Lord, indeed, 
I need more dispensing. I need more dispensing. I can just testify to you, you know, many times. I had to either prepare a message, go to a, you know, give a, give a meeting, conference, or whatever. I got up in the morning, the first thing I was going, oh, I'm going to give this message today. I went to the Lord, you know, I was just really getting a little bit nervous, and then, uh, you know, could give the message. And I was touched, I was rebuked by the Lord. You are there to prepare your message. You are not there to contact me. I repented to the Lord that, you know, I was caring for my message, for my meeting, more than I care for the Lord. So I got adjusted. So many times I would just, okay, just leave that message alone. Just let me spend some time with the Lord. You know, open myself to Him. You know, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to speak this message? What do you want me to say, not to say? It's up to you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be worrying about this message. I, do, I just want to, to touch you, to contact you. Amen. There are many times I experienced this. The Lord just shined on me. I was just too much for my work, for my service. Instead of just pure, simply coming to the Lord and let the Lord shine on us. And I'm, I'm sure this kind of experience you know, is uh, not only in myself, but I think many Many serving ones, many full-timers, you know, you have many responsibilities. It's so easy for us to uh, be distracted and, uh, by, by the things, and they are good things, spiritual things, that we have to do for the Lord, right? They are for the Lord. But ultimately, I want to make sure my message is good. My message is received well, appreciated. Again, ultimately, it's not ministering to the Lord, but ministering to the house to, for myself to get my job done. You see my point? So, uh, these priests, they are the most normal and proper persons who have this inner realization. God's unique desire and pleasure is to work himself into us. He does not want us to just do a good job uh, behave well, and so forth. He just wants us to receive him, to receive his dispensing, his impartation. And <clears throat> whether the job is done well or not, that is secondary. The first thing is, have we received God's dispensing into us? So we just live in a normal way. And the beast says, a normal and proper human being is one who is a priest. Amen. Now, a priest is the most normal and proper person. Now we say that actually uh, the most, the most uh, normal and proper human being is a priest. Is one who is a priest. Every believer must be a priest. And every believer is a priest. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to, to walk a certain way. Uh, to speak in a, in a certain tone, intonation. But you just live in a normal way by contacting the Lord, receiving the Lord's dispensing. Such a priest is the most normal, most proper person, one who serves God. If we are not pre-serving God in all that we do, we are abnormal. As a, as a believer, as I mentioned, Martin Luther, right? The matter of 
man can be justified by faith implies that that means every man is a believer. Every man is a priest. So if we, it's only when, uh, as a believer, then we function as, a, function as a priest. This is the most normal thing. It is not, oh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a priest now. You're doing something special, something extraordinary. No, a priest is only normal, right? We are the most normal and proper person is to be a priest, serving the Lord, right? Being filled with him. Now, point uh, number two says, a priest is one who receives God, who is filled, saturated, and permeated with God, and who has God flowing out of him so that he might be a living expression of God. Again, this is not a new sentence to many of you. You know, this is, but I just want to just uh, repeat this and hopefully the Holy Spirit can gain a little bit more ground in us and make such, a, such an expression a little bit more, has a little bit more meaning to us. Um, we human beings are like this. Sometimes we, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we hear, we hear things, we read things. And then things get familiar. We know before you say the next word, I already know, you know, what what's the next words are going to be, and uh, and then we 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 thought that I'm I'm all set. I know what it, what you're going to talk about, but yet those things are never real to you. Have you really allowed God to fill you, saturate you, permeate you, that uh, uh, that God can even flow out of you? This is. These are not just nice words. This is, this, is, this is reality. This is truth. God is, this is what God is doing every day. He is looking for openings, looking for vessels to whom he can, into whom he can dispense. He can fill. And then he can saturate them so that he can flow out through them. This is what a, the priest, that's why God wants the priest so much. They have the ability, the capacity to receive. They were made in the image of God, with the likeness of God. They have the human spirit. They have been present, they, uh, presented you know, before the tree of life to, be, to receive God as life. In such a, God needs, God desires to have such a priest to be a vessel to receive and to contain him, to be filled with him in order for him to be expressed through them. God's intention is not to call us merely to work for Him. His intention is that we first open ourselves to Him in order that He may come into us to fill and flood us until He has taken possession of every part of our being. Amen. I really like these, uh, this first, uh, uh, these few words, first open ourselves to Him. The first requirement of a priest, yes, firstly, he must be one who, who lives solely for God's interest. He is not here for himself, for his own, uh, uh, this uh, spiritual endeavor that he is doing. He is carrying out his profession. He is here solely for God. And also, he, he is one that he opens to the Lord. That the... Uh, being open to the Lord is, the, is another 
is the second uh, requirement as a priest. If you're not open, God cannot fill you. God cannot saturate you. You know, Paul, uh, 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 one time, you know, Brother Lee says about uh, Paul's 14 14 epistles. He said, the 14 epistles of Paul can be summarized by two words. What are the two words? Open vessel. Paul was an open vessel. God used him to write so much, high, high revelation. And he did so much. How and why? Because he was an open vessel. He was not he had he was not preoccupied with his agenda. I'm going to be, you know, to uh, to do this for God. I'm going to do that for God. He was just an open vessel. You know, when those uh, when those uh, uh, teachers and prophets in Antioch, recorded in uh, Acts 13, those five of them, you know, they were fasting and praying, and, uh, you know, it says that they were ministering to the Lord. I wonder a lot about uh, what does it mean, ministering to the Lord. They were not giving messages. They were not uh, speaking to anyone. They were just ministering to the Lord. As they were praying, they were just uh, speaking to the Lord. And then after some time, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work, for the ministry. They did not come together to plan, to make plan for an agenda. Okay, where are we going to go now? Where, which city we're going to hit? And how are we going to carry out, uh, get, get this blitz uh, going, and then to uh, uh, do this and do that? They ministered to the Lord. And then to the point that the Holy Spirit was able to send them out, to set them apart, to do this and that. I don't think when they went out, they know exactly, you know, what the next place was going to be. They just went from place to place to place. Reminded me very much, you know, uh, very much Brother Lee's experience back in 1962. You know, after the conference in, in, uh, uh, on the all-inclusive Christ, he testified. You know, remember, before that conference, you know, he and the two other brothers prayed on their knees five days a week, every day for three weeks, for 21 days, every day for three or four hours, from 9 to about 12 or something. Just pray. And then, and then he testified to us in those, in that there was so much, the prayer just came rushing out. It was like a Niagara Fall just pouring. It was like a, 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 a dam broke loose. It's just water is coming out. I mean, sometimes you wonder, I cannot even pray for 15 minutes, for 10 minutes. And he had not to say for three hours, and they were just, he just, enough for just one day, but five days a week for three weeks. And they were just praying before the first conference ever in this country. Those brothers were ministering to the Lord. And then, and then after the three, three weeks of such prayer, then the conference started, right? Not with a large number of people, just a small number. I don't know, maybe 60, 70, 80 people at the most. And, but the Lord's Word, that all-inclusive Christ conference, was memorable. I mean, it's today is still, it has such an impact, you know, with so many seeking believers. But then, Brother Lee said, testify, after that, after that, invitations started coming. 
you know, in those early days, he, he traveled, not on airplane, but by driving. And he did not drive. He could not, he, he, he did not know how to drive, but the Lord arranged a driver to help him to, uh, some brothers to offer to drive him here and there. He drove, he drove to Texas, he drove to many. But he's, the point was, he had invitation after invitation. And one invitation led to another invitation. And the Lord's word started to go out from, from L.A. and then to Texas, to New York. It was not, he didn't plan that. But it was just the Lord, he, as they ministered to the Lord, the Lord started leading them, opening door. One, lead, one led to another, one led to another. That was how the apostle served. That was even how our dear brother served. They were priests ministering to the Lord. And the Lord flowed out. And they opened to the Lord. They opened themselves to the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, don't think that uh, to be open. I think we, many times we may say, Oh, Lord, I open to you. I open to you. But open you in your lips to the Lord. But in your heart, you already have a lot of agenda you want to do, you want to carry out. You, your words, in words, you may say you're open, but in your heart, you already have a lot of things you like to do. You know what you should do. But indeed, are you really open to let the Lord, even if you were to uh, stop a little bit, will you be willing to stop? You know, years ago, I have a, I have a, a trainee brother, a very good brother, a very excellent trainee, and we uh, passed through two years of training, and then, uh, you know, he was... Uh, um, and going to the third year training in Boston, and then uh, you know he 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 was very zealous that now I'm uh, you know I have certain capacity, I could do something I'm ready you know and and then uh, he was sent to this certain university to to uh, labor there, and uh, well he thought that you know he should be able to do a lot bring a lot of students, and after being there for a few weeks. He could not even make one appointment. He was so discouraged. He felt, what's wrong with me? And, uh, you know, he thought he was all ready to go. He was, all, he, he was expecting a lot of accomplishments. You know, he had some fellow, came for some fellowship with me. You know, and then, you know, what, 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 what's wrong with that campus? You know, uh, uh, you know what, how come, you know, I'm, I, you know, I have all the equipment. I, 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 can, I can preach the gospel. I can do this and that. But no, nobody, no, I could hardly get anyone to really sit down to, that I can talk to. He was so discouraged. And as he, in that fellowship with me, I, I just, at that moment, I just had some feeling to relate to him. Um, Hudson Taylor's, you know, story. I don't know if some of you heard. You know, Hudson Taylor. There was a, um, uh, you know, uh, someone who who wanted to go to work in for the Inland China uh, uh, Inland China Mission uh, to serve as a missionary. He came to be interviewed by Hudson Taylor. Came to his office, and uh, uh, but, but you know, Hudson Taylor was busy, and the secretary told him, "Well, you have to just wait here and wait for a little bit," you know. And then he waited for 15 minutes, half an hour, still not, you know, how come, you know, Hudson Taylor is still not, not available, so you just had to wait a little bit longer. You know, about an hour went by, he was, still, he was still not available. 
And then he was very angry. He was getting mad. You know, he said, oh, what is this? I came for an interview to offer myself to go to China. And then, uh, you know, this guy doesn't even pay attention to me. You know, he's ignoring me, you know, waiting, asking, getting me to save, wait so long. So he, he got upset and he just left. So the secretary went to tell, went in to tell uh, uh, Hudson Taylor, said, well, this, this gentleman left. He couldn't wait any longer. And Hudson Taylor told her, that, well, he should have left. Because if he cannot wait for me for one hour, he could never wait for the Chinese people for 10 years. If he is going to go to China, he is going to wait a lot longer than just one hour or two hours. Someone, you know, some are so zealous, so ready to do something, and not willing, open, to let God do something in him first. So... Don't think this is a simple matter, right? We all need the Lord's uh, mercy and the Lord's enlightenment to, for us to, to, to see we are not so open. We are still full of our own agenda. And the Lord has to touch us to the point that we are will, really willing, willing to surrender everything. Lord, let you direct my ways. Let you direct my path, Right? What sh- where should I go? What should I do? And so forth. When you, are such, when you are such an open vessel to him, you are a real priest. The Lord will be able to come in to fill you, to saturate you. The result, you know, that's secondary. How many people you are going to gain and the, what kind of work result you're going to, that's secondary. The Lord wants to gain many open vessels into whom he can freely come in to fill and saturate, that he can have a free way on the earth. That, <clears throat> then the point B says, our entire being must be saturated, permeated, and possessed by God. If this is our con- situation, we will be one with God and will not only be clothed outwardly with him as power, but also permeated inwardly with himself as everything. As we are saturated, permeated, and possessed by God, spontaneously he will flow out of us, and we will be built up with others in this flow of life. Yeah, I recall, you know, we, 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 we are familiar with Saul's conver- conversion, right? Recorded in, uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, 22, and also 20, 26. There he talked about, you know, on the way to Damascus, and, uh, you know, the, the, the voice from heaven, the light came down and, uh, to him, and he was knocked down to, to, to the ground. And uh, the voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul responded, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And the voice responded, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Then Saul realized this is, un- this is unusual. He, he also, then he responded by saying, what shall I do, Lord? What shall I do now? You know, he has been very busy. He has been busy, you know, persecuting Christians. Now, now he, maybe he is going to change, change profession. He is going to change to, you know, from a Christian persecutor to, you know, he is going to do something else. He thought it's, it's about his doing. He asked, he asked the, the voice, what shall I do now? The voice answered him, you know. He said, you'll be told. 
you'll be told. I'm not going to tell you. You'll be told by some small members of the body. You'll you you go there, you know, to this place, and someone else will tell you. And you'll be there. And, and when we know what happened, he was, his eyes became blind. For three days, three nights, he did not eat anything. He just there, you know, watching the heavenly television. In those three days, in his, in his blessed blindness, he just, you know, Saul was so super busy. I'm sure he was a super busy man. You know, so energetic, so, so, uh, so capable to carry out his uh, commission. To, <clears throat> according to his uh, father's tradition, and all of a sudden he was stopped. His, uh, his vehicle just grind to a, to a halt, and for three days, doing nothing. David, can you stand doing nothing for three days? <laughs> I don't think too many of us can. You know, you cannot, you know, in these days, uh, in the COVID days, you know, uh, we feel so restricted. I cannot visit. I cannot go here. I cannot uh, see this one. I cannot. We feel so restricted, so uh, uh, limited. Well, on the one hand, you know, it, it, I felt I really feel this is God sovereignly even arrange, allow these circumstances. We may be limited, but the environment, but the environment. But God is not limited. God still has been working. Even in the last three years, in this limited environment, God is moving. But man had to be limited. Man had to stop. Our environment is not always up to us. So here, Saul just uh, was, he said, all his activities ground, ground to zero. And God was there in those three days, infusing him, infusing him. He was just... The heavens was open to him. He saw very so much. He didn't say that. He didn't say a lot, ex, uh, telling us what he saw. But I'm sure, in those three days, something was being dispensed into that vessel, causing him to respond to to present himself later on to the brothers in a different way. He got baptized, calling upon the name of the Lord. Totally a different person. So, <clears throat> this matter of openness, just being be able to stop and open, is a is a uh, uh, such a crucial matter. And I have I have known brothers, I've known uh, uh, serving ones, who are very zealous and very capable, and uh, uh, I. To some point, I really was afraid that uh, he, no one could stop him. Maybe even God cannot stop him because he was so energetic. And, and they're they energetic for things, for good things. Oh, let's, let's do more gospel preaching. Let's save some more people. Don't misunderstand me. I know we need to preach the gospel. We need to shepherd the new ones. But then there was also, you know, Brother Nee in that in the ministry of the to the house, you know, in that message he talked about. There was a lust in man to do things for God. Even in doing things for God, could be something out of man's lust, out of man's flesh. One could be a very have been a very 
eloquent person, one make a very uh, capable, active person to start with, naturally. And now coming to do the things of God, he applied the same thing. No one could stop him. And outwardly, you know, he is doing things for God, but for the house, but not ministering to the Lord. So, the Apostle Paul was such an open vessel, allowing God to flow into him, saturate him, permeate him, possess him. And then, even eventually, God was able to flow out, flow out of us. And in this flow, it says, we will be built up with others in this flow of life. Oh, this is so wonderful. You know, when a flood, you know, when, you are, when we are in the dry places, you are here, I'm here, we all stand up, standing in our own respective places, independent of each other. If, that, if all of a sudden a tsunami camp comes, and, uh, you know, just like, you know, it happened in some places, you know, and uh, when that flood comes, that everybody just swept away. I cannot stand uh, uh, in my own position anymore. You cannot stand in your position position anymore. That flood just carries us all in one direction. The flood just swept us and blended us, you may say, in one direction. Whether you agree with it, you don't agree with it, in that flow, we were being swept away together. Today, God, God wants to flow out through a group of people, through His priests, into whom he could dispense himself, filling them, saturating them, and even eventually flowing out through them. God is looking for such an open vessel, a corporate container, into whom he could pour himself into and to flow out. And in that flowing, in that flowing, there will be the blending. There will be the building up. There will be the coordination. We need the flowing. That flowing comes from the filling, allowing the triune God to fill us and to saturate us. She says, not until we are one with the Lord and possessed by Him can we ever work for Him. This is a, what a sobering word. This is. Not until we are one with the Lord and possessed by Him can we ever be, can we be ever, can we ever work for Him. We should never be presumptuous just because you went to even the full-time training, you went to a Bible school, you went to a seminary. Now you, you, you have certain degree, you have certain kind of uh, uh, recognition. Now you are ready to serve the Lord. No. The unique check whether you are qualified to serve the Lord, is whether you are being filled with Him, saturated with Him, permeated with Him, possessed by Him. Now, number three says, a priest is a person who contacts God in the mingling with God. This is a little, kind of a little, um, uh, little bit awkward way of saying this. He is one who contacts God. How? Not just, not just coming to contact God objectively. Objectively. But he, even in his contacting of God, is in the mingling with God. Yeah. 
Remember when the priests in the Old Testament, when they, you know, come to serve in the tabernacle, after offering the sacrifices, we're going to see more tomorrow in the, in the third message about the experience of the priest, that they enter into the tabernacle to enter into the holy place and eventually to the holy of holies, where God is. Now, remember, what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle is just the incarnated God. God becomes enterable. In Christ, God has become a tabernacle that we can enter. So we as priests, we come to contact God, come to minister to God. We are entering into an enterable, enterable God. So we are contacting God in the mingling with God. We are entering into God to contact God. Right? What A says, the priest passing through the holy place and into the holy of holies is his contact with God, and this contact is not in himself, but in a mingling with God. A priest's contact with God is in God. So, what does it mean, brothers and sisters? In order to contact God, you have to be in God. You, you, don't, you, you, you cannot just say, I'm going to contact God now, just to give me a few minutes. I'm going to, uh, it takes me, uh, you know, how to get there. You know, I, I was just finished, you know, uh, uh, busy from work, and then I would just have to, now I'm going to go to the meeting to contact God. You don't contact God that way. You have to contact God in God. In the mingling with God, you have to begin from offering the altar at the sacrifices and the outer court at the bronze altar. Then you enter. You have to end, have an entrance into the tabernacle, into the holy place to touch the showbread, to be at the lampstand, to be also at the, at the incense altar. You, all, you have to enter into God. So be, as, as you desire to contact God, you have to Surrender yourself. Lord, I open to you. I just enter. You are enterable. You are not the God in heaven I'm trying to reach up to. You are an enterable God. In Christ, you have been incarnated, so approachable, so enterable. Lord, I open myself, right, through your blood. The way, there is the new and living way that has been opened to us. So we can come forward, taking the sacrifices, as an opening, as the means for us to come in. And as you are entering, putting it, coming into this, into this enterable God, you come forward to touch Him, to contact Him, to fellowship with Him. So our contact of God is not something objective. Outside, Rather, we have to just turn from everything else to the Spirit, who, which is one with this incarnated God. So, <clears throat> he says, when we as priests contact God, we contact Him not merely objectively, but also subjectively. We do not contact God apart from God, but we contact God in God, that is, in the mingling with God. I know this, this is a, a little bit of a, uh, a deeper thing, you know, uh, but in experience, actually, it's not that hard to realize. If you're going to God, you have to be in God. 
as you enter into God. Just uh, take the blood, offer the sacrifices, just turn away from yourself, enter into God. And as you enter into God, you begin to contact God, to have fellowship with God. Right? So this is what John was talking about in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Right? So <clears throat> we come forward into him. He is available. He is approachable. He is enterable. Don't stay in yourself. Open to him. As you enter into him, you begin to contact him. You begin to have fellowship with him. Number four says, a priest is one who is absolutely and thoroughly mingled with God. Not only he contacts God, but he also mingles. He mingles with God. He says, God's purpose is to mingle himself with us so that he becomes our life, our nature, our content, and we become his corporate expression. God loves us so much. God desires us to be his priests, to come to him, to be open to him, and let him fill us. I was so touched, you know, in the... uh, um, in Exodus, I forgot where, in, in, in what uh, message. But anyway, in Exodus 25, in verse 22, there is such a verse talking about the, uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant on the propitiation cover, the lid of, the, of that Ark. God says what? God says that is there, I will speak with you. There, I will meet with you. Isn't this precious? Saints, God says... There is a place that God wants to meet with us. God wants to speak with us. If we are only busy about doing so many things, we don't have any heart, don't have any capacity to hear God, to see God. But now God wants to have priests who are open to him, who, who who are willing to come forward into this enterable tabernacle, the enterable God to come forward now all the way to the Holy of Holies, now standing before the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony. And Jehovah says, it's there, in this place, upon the lid, upon this, which is also called the mercy seat, which is the throne of grace. God says, I will meet with you. I will speak with you. Oh, what grace this is. Oh, what, uh, you know, it's, here, you know, uh, 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 you know I, I was once considering, I, I, I've been on this, uh, this, uh, this matter of the tabernacle quite much in these recent few years. And I realized, now in, 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 you know, in the holy play, you still, the, the priest still had to do something to do, you know, set, burn, uh, set the showbread. Uh, and then uh, burn uh, to 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 dress the lambs, and then to burn incense. But when they reach the holy of holies, no more work. There's no nothing to do, no incense to burn, no lambs to light, no bread to no to to arrange. He just stood there. Let Jehovah speak to you. Let Jehovah meet with you. Amen. Let him fill you. God desires. He. The divinity needs the humanity as the container to receive, to be mingled, to become one with. A priest is a God-man. A priest is divine and human 
A priest is one, is a human mingling with God, allowing God to come in and be mingled with him. So we come in to contact him, and we allow God to saturate us, to mingle with us, that uh, to this is the highest privilege, I would say, as a as a child of God, is to be in a place to have to have meeting with God, to have God speaking to us, right? What higher privilege can there be? Right? We come to the meeting for what? Not just to see each other's faces. Of course, that's nice to see each other's faces, but more than that, to meet God, to hear God. What is God speaking to us, right? This is the highest privilege as a human being, as a priest. Then says, and one says, the will of God is the mingling of God with man and the fulfillment of God's purpose depends on, depends on the mingling of divinity and humanity. The Christian life is the mingling of divinity and humanity. To be a Christian is to be mingled with God, to be a God-man. This is a priest. A priest is a God-man. If we would serve God as priests, we need to see a vision of the mingled spirit, the divine spirit mingled with our regenerated spirit. The Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Spirit, and the Spirit is now mingled with our regenerated spirit. The focus of God's economy is the mingled spirit, the divine spirit mingled with the human spirit. The mingled spirit is both the spirit of the Lord and our spirit. The mingled spirit is a spirit that is one spirit with God, and that is the same as God in life and nature, but not in his Godhead. To live in the mingled spirit is to let Christ fill and saturate us until he permeates our whole being, and is thereby expressed through us. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, as every day we must exercise our spirit, our mingled spirit, to open to him, to contact him by calling on his name. Pray, read his word, right? To have this mingle, mingling living with him, to be such a priest. This is what a real priest is. Now we come to... Roman numeral 5, concerning the two orders of the priesthood, which are the holy priesthood and the royal priesthood. Spoken of in Revelation 5, 10, there's the kingdom of priests, right? And in 1 Peter 2, we have the holy priesthood and also the royal priesthood. This was also mentioned uh, by Paul in, he- in Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 2. That is regarding uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Aaronic priesthood, and then uh, the which is the holy priesthood, and chapter seven, the first two verses referring to Melchizedek. Now we need to see. Now we know what a priest is, and this this such a priest priesthood has two orders, right? Now he says the holy priesthood is typified by the order of Aaron. The order of Aaron is the holy order. This, 
the first order, this holy priesthood, emphasizes on the word holy. This, which means, which means not common, to be holy. Actually, holy is a word that is attributed to God Himself. In the whole universe, only God is holy. No one, doesn't matter how. How well, how clean you dress yourself, you are no holier than any, any other person on the street. Only God himself is holy. And the first point about the, this first order of priesthood, according to Aaron, is holiness, is holy priesthood. And this word in Greek means to be separated. We are, if we are going to be a holy priesthood, we need to be separated unto God Number one says, to be holy is to be separated from the worldly things unto God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, which says, you shall be holy as I am holy. You know, I think we are, you know, these days, we, as the age is going forward, you know, in every, in every sense, uh, technology, fashion, all the style, all the things are just uh, uh, advancing. And I'm, you know, I, I hear some young people talking to some young people. They say, "Oh, you know, you you, you don't be old-fashioned. You you know, today we are 21st century, and uh, you know, all the things are not like you guys 30, 40 years ago. You know, and." Uh, well, I have to say, brothers and sisters, it's not a matter of old-fashioned or new-fashioned. It's a matter of holiness. It's a matter of separation. The world today is no separation, right? I mean, the, 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 it's just morally speaking, there's just so much confusion in the world, in, in the, in the, uh, the so, socially, so much uh, disorder, confusion, corruption. And here, in the midst of all this, God says, my priesthood, firstly, must be holy priesthood. A holy, holy means to be separated. We are people who are in the world, who are in today's world, but we are not of this world. We must see this, especially I'm burdened to, you know, for many of you young, young brothers and sisters, you know, you are still young. So many high schoolers. You are exposed to a lot of things. You know, the modern philosophies and a lot of things. With God, He is looking for holiness. And holiness doesn't mean for you to dress a certain way, that you walk slowly, you know, to, uh, you know, that, that's not what holiness is. The holiness is to be separated unto the Lord. Brother Lee mentioned about a story about this this person who who was a who served who was serving the Lord. His name is Gordon, and then he uh, one time he bought a new house, and he furnished a new house very well, very nice, and he invited his his father to come, to you know to visit his home, and he was you know I think he was kind of proud of all the furnish furnishing that he did for this house. His father looked at the house and he said it was very nice, very nice. But one thing, if a stranger would come from the outside, come to this house, 
would he say this house is a, is a house of a son of a devil or is a son of God? What kind of impression even your house, your ornaments convey to people? Doesn't mean that all your over the walls are verses printed everywhere. You know, this is a, you know, a, a frameable quotes hanging everywhere. Then you are a holiness unto Jehovah. No, I don't, we don't mean that. You know, we don't have any kind of standard in that way. But you know what I mean. When you go to certain home, very fashion, very nice, very thing, everything was just top, top quality. But the impre- what, do you, what kind of impression we give people? Are you one who lives unto the Lord? Who expresses the Lord, even in our decoration? Uh, and even in our dress, our uh, uh, even uh, conduct, our speech, our conversation with people, uh, our mannerism, do we convey to people that we are separated unto God? Or we just live as the rest of the worldlings do? To participate in this first order of the priesthood, there is the requirement of holiness. And God even says that you would be holy as I am holy. And holiness is not something you put on. It's not something you just change yourself, dress yourself you know, in a certain way. Holiness has to come from within. As you receive God's dispensing, His, nat- His divine nature being dispensed into you, there are certain things that God, God cannot accept. God cannot tolerate. So it's not a matter of fas- being uh, 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 fashionable or not fashionable, uh, modern or not modern. That's not the point. The point is that, is this something that God is pleased with? So, to, 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 be, to participate in this holy priesthood, we have to enter into a separated living. That, uh, now, number two says, the first order of the priesthood, the aspect of the Aaronic priesthood, the holy priesthood, is for the offering of sacrifices to God, for our sins. Hence, the Aaronic priesthood is mainly concerned with the sin offering. This Aaronic priesthood is to take care of man's needs, to bring, man, to, to, make, uh, to bring man's problems to God, to bring man to God. So, <clears throat> there were many sacrifices involved, especially the sin offering, the offering for sin, the offering for trespasses. So, the, the Aaronic priesthood involves the sacrifices for sin to bring man in order to bring man to God. But if we are not the holy priest, we ourselves is mixed up with the world, how can we properly bring man to God? If we ourselves are not even properly right, be right with God, separated unto God, how can we take care of man's problems before God? So the requirement of the Aaronic priesthood is the holy priesthood. We are separated unto God. And little A says, the Aaronic priesthood solves the problem of sin. Christ's purifying of sins is typified by the work of Aaron. B, the Aaronic priesthood was not part of God's initial intention, but was added later because of the, of the problem of sin. 
So God intended to have a priest who would just be open to him, to be saturated, permeated by him. But yet this priest, this man became fallen, who needs redemption, right? So there, there comes Aaronic priesthood from the kind of, uh, 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 as, a, as, as to make up, you know, is the, to, it was not in God's original intention, but is 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 to supplement this due to due to man's problem. So this ironic priesthood is to address man's need to bring man to God. Then B says the royal priesthood is typified by the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek is the royal, the kingly order. As I mentioned this morning, when in Genesis 14, that was the first mention of the word priest in the whole Bible. And it's not related to Aaron, but it's related to Melchizedek. He was a kingly priest from God. He didn't come to take care of Abraham's problem, sinful, sinful problem. He came to minister bread and wine to this tiresome fighter of Abraham. He fin- the ministering of bread and wine is similar to the two elements that we partake of every Lord's Day morning. At the table, we partake of also the bread and the wine, which signify what? Which signifies the redeeming Christ. The redeemer Christ, who, who broke the body for us on the cross and shed the blood for us, making himself available to us. And and Melchizedek ministered this redeeming Christ as the bread and wine to this tiresome fighter, Abraham. And, this, and he was the king of Salem. He was a kingly priest to minister God to people. He came, we don't know where, the Bible says he, he, uh, Melchizedek had no origin, has no end of life. He is like the Son of God. He has, we don't know where he came from, where he is going to go. He was just, uh, he came from God. We don't know what his genealogy was. He just came from God, and he came to minister the, the processed God as bread and wine to the tiresome fighter, Abraham. The second, number one says, the second order of the priesthood, the aspect of the priesthood typified by Melchizedek, the royal priesthood, is for ministering the process God into us as our enjoyment for our supply. Christ sitting down on the right hand of the majesty on high is according to the order of Melchizedek. As the kingly high priest, Christ ministers to us whatever we need, dispensing the process and consummated triune God into us as our life supply to fulfill God's eternal purpose. The matter of sin was temporary. Was just a was just something on the side. The in 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 God's original plan, He desires to dispense Himself into His chosen people, into us. But because of sin, we need Aaron to come with His holy priesthood to take care of our problem with a sin offering, that we can be brought back to God to be right with God. But the goal is that so that God can be dispensed into man. God can be ministered to man, to be man's life, to be man's life supply, so that we can, be, can, can express God. So the kingly priesthood, or the royal priesthood, is the, proper, is the, uh, the, uh, 
the, the main priesthood, the primary priesthood, according to God's original plan. Number four says, in our experience today, the kingly priests are those who come from God to care for God's people. Just as Melchizedek came from God to meet Abraham to minister bread and wine to him. If we do not experience the holy priesthood, according to Aaron, we will not know how to have the royal priesthood. These two priesthoods actually are related. Although the, Melchiz- the, the, uh, the, the kingly priesthood, the royal priesthood, is the primary priesthood, but without our experiencing the holy priesthood, according to Aaron, we have not been brought to God. Our problems of sin have not been resolved. The matter of holiness, being separated unto God, has never been addressed. We will never be able to enter into the, the, the kingly priesthood, the royal priesthood. The royal priesthood is a priesthood that comes from God. One who is filled with God, saturated with God. A priest is is human and divine, mingled together. And for us to be mingled with God, surely the humanity needs to be sanctified, needs to be made holy. How can we mingle with this holy God if our humanity has never been separated, sanctified? Today, living in this mixed-up world, we need to be very exercised how to live Separate, how to live a life separated unto God. There are things the worldlings can do. The worldlings do. We cannot participate. Not because, oh, this is, uh, uh, this is the rule of the church. or this. No. But because now I realize I am a priest. Amen. And I am to, God says, I am to be holy as he is holy. And his holy life is in us. There are certain things we cannot participate with with the worldlings. The places they go, I'm not free to go. Not because of the order of the church, but because of the inner Holy One in us. He is displeased. He is not happy when I'm engaged in those things. And only when you live in this way, having this sanctified life, you are brought close to God And you are not only brought close to God, you begin to be filled with God, you become kingly. Your kingliness comes out of your holiness. How kingly you will be depending on how holy, how sanctified we are. You cannot just say, I want want the kingly priesthood. I want to be able to to just uh, minister God to people. Yet, you don't take care of your sanctification. You are being separated unto God. Right? So these two priesthoods, they are related together. Now she says, The Aaronic priesthood solves the problem of sin, and the kingly priesthood fulfills God's eternal purpose. The Aaronic priesthood took away sin, and the kingly priesthood brought in God as our grace. There are these, these two priesthoods goes in two directions. One is from man to God, that's the Aaronic priesthood, and the other one is from God to man, that is the Melchizedek priesthood, right? And this is, these, through these two directions, man to God, God to man, God and man are being brought together, mingled together, 
for God to gain a people on the earth, whom He who is saturated and filled with Him, for His for His universal expression. So D says, on the one hand, in the Lord's recovery today, we are holy priests going to God to represent God's people and bring their needs to Him. On the other hand, we are royal priests coming from God to the people to represent God and minister God to people. Aaron, the high priest, you know, he bore the two shoulder plates and the breastplate upon which are the precious stones, 12 precious stones engraved on the breastplate. The 12 precious uh, precious stones signify the 12 tribes of Israel. That means he always bore on his heart of love and he bore on his shoulder of strength to bring, to bear God's people to God. As, as, as ones participating in the holy priesthood, we have God's people on our heart all the time, bringing them to God, bringing man to God in love and in strength. Then as the priesthood of Melchizedek, bringing God, supplying God to man as grace. One says the holy priest offers something to God for the sake of the people, and the royal priest declare the things of God to people. And number two, we are the holy priest and the kingly priest going and coming in two directions. Amen. You know, as you are exercising your holy priesthood, then you become royal priest. And when you are such a royal priest, you, when you go to people, you go with a royal edict, isn't that the word? Royal edict. To issue the command. Even, you know, when we, when we are, uh, in the past old days that we went to knock on doors, you know, we went to, the, we, we were not trying to beg people to receive the Lord or to be baptized. Many of us, we experience when we are filled with the Lord, we repent of our sins, we went to knock on doors, we were like the king, the royal priest. You go to be baptized. Now, right? And uh, many just listened, and then they were baptized in their home. You know, it's, uh, many of these, uh, these ones, we went out, really, we were just like the, the royal priest, exercising the king's authority, right? And <clears throat> this priesthood is too wonderful that uh, we, we need to be sanctified to have the holy priesthood separated unto God. And, but the goal is that God can fill us, saturate us, to become one with us, so that when we go to people, we are actually like the deputy, deputy God. We are God's representative. We are God's deputy to represent him with his authority, so that, that uh, the people, it, this is, this is, uh, this is the, the kingdom of priests that talked about in Revelation. Amen. May the Lord gain such a priesthood among us. Okay, I stop here. I turn to the brothers. You know what to do.